Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. Last week we really began with the idea of unity uh, and why unity is important to us uh, as, as a group. We talked about uh, fellowship with one another and how, you know, being just being a Christian, just being a believer and how we have... Um, that relationship, you know, with Jesus Christ, how that brings us into uh, commonality with each other. Uh, and so with that in mind and moving forward, uh, we're going to just continue to, to go through that. And this is going to be a little bit different than, um, you know, some of our, our regular. We'll still have some discussion here. Um, but I really want to just go through uh, just a teaching and really uh, finish up what we started last, uh, last Friday. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we are, uh, right now we're still in, and uh, if you just open up from verses 1 to 8 is where we were uh, last week, and we're still uh, going to be there, and we're going to be starting uh, from verse 3. And uh, if, I'm just going to read the passage real quickly. As we get started, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And I'll take a break here. Last week we really talked about how that, idea of, of agreeing wholeheartedly together, how that conveyed the idea of harmony. And we talked about music and how, you know, in a, in a chord, you have three different individual notes. And we did a, you know, a, a C note on the piano. And we kind of talked about how those individual notes all form uh, a single chord. And, and that relating that to sort of the body of Christ and how even Paul talks about, uh, you know, one is the hand, another's the foot, another is the eye. And, and we're all different and we come in from different backgrounds, we have different talents, we have different um, just aspects of who we are as individuals, but we come together uh, and we're unified. And so that idea of, of what God is, is calling us to uh, in unity. And so we'll continue on. Verse 3 says uh, of chapter 2 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Father, we just ask tonight that you would just speak to us through your word. As we just continue this study tonight, I pray, God, that, that you would just really open our hearts. Father, that we would be sensitive uh, to your word. We'd be sensitive to what we're going to even talk about tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would transform us uh, into your image, O oh God, that we would be less uh, like ourselves and more like you, O oh God. And Father, we just surrender this night to you. May your word penetrate our hearts. May your word do a work in us. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so tonight I want to talk about overcoming 
just the fear of humility. Uh, because walking in unity, like we talked about last last week, walking in uh, unity really means having humility. And it's hard, it's almost impossible to walk in uh, unity if, if you're not a humble individual. I want to open up with a quote here. We're talking about humility tonight. Humility means seeing yourself realistically as God sees you. Not higher than you are, but not lower either. Humility doesn't mean that you put yourself down, but that you lift others up. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. The goal is that Jesus Christ increase and that we decrease. Jesus said in Matthew 23 verses 11 and 12, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. John the Baptist said in John 3:30, he must become greater, I must become less. And it's cool to me that greatness in the kingdom of God, it's not estimated by how many people are following you or honoring you or serving you, but it's really about how many people you're honoring, how many people you're serving, uh, and how many people you're really elevating and, and, and lifting up in your own life. And so I want to talk, just going through these verses now, verse 3 in Philippians chapter 2. Talking about how when we're humble, that produces just a, a deep moving in our hearts for other people. And verse 3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, here's the thing about pride. Pride always seeks to, to put the attention on, on us. To kind of say, hey... Like, look at what I'm doing. Like, here, like, observe, see me. Um, and so there was plenty of, of, of examples of this, whether it be, you know, I know Jesus really made an example of um, some of the Pharisees um, and Sadducees and teachers of the law, the people that would, would really do their acts uh, before men. And I really started thinking about uh, how sometimes we can have our talents and our accomplishments, even our charity. Um, and we can try to, to put that in front of people. And I think one of the, the biggest forms of this, um, and you know, this is, I'm sure most of us are guilty here, but social media. Mm. Like think about it, like how we, how we use social media, how, how we, you know, our posts, uh, the things that we put on. I mean, let's be honest. What's, what's the reason why we post stuff on, online? People comment. So people comment. So you, you get the little like, you know, like, <laughs> I just want to know how many people like my post. Um, and, and I think that this, this really, in, in essence, you know, if we were to look at why we do what we do, if, if I was to go through all of my posts on Facebook and really ask myself, why did you post that, Justin? Why did you put that online? What were you looking for? when you posted that? I mean, am I looking for affirmation? Am I looking for people uh, to, to, to lift me up for, you know, for a po post? Am I, am I posting because I, I, I feel like this is going to be something that's going to benefit, you know, other people? Sometimes when I see a thought or, 
or something that really ministers to me, it's like, ooh, that's really good. Let me just share that real quick, you know? And, and, and so sometimes my motive's good. Sometimes my motive probably is, is not in the right place. You know what I mean? Like, and so you're posting for the wrong reasons. And I think, you know, cool. Just go through your, go through your timeline tonight. Go through it tonight and just be like, man, why did I post that? What was my motive? But I think it's good for us because here's the deal. We live probably in one of the most narcissistic times ever that people are so self-absorbed with what's going on in their own lives. And, and, and this is, this is to me, one of the most fundamental things of humility that people miss out on. People view humility often as I'm just going to put myself lower. I'm just, I, you know, I am low. I, I'm low. God is, God is high. And, and you, we take that whole quote by John, right? That, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. And, and we, and we realize for, you know, that's true. That's true for ourselves. That's true in our own lives. Like that, that is humility in a form. But I think what, what really begins to, to drive home humility is when you recognize that that one of the greatest aspects of humility is not you always pushing yourself lower. And, and I want to read the quote that I read before one more time because I really believe that that hits it on the head. Humility means seeing yourself realistically as God sees you, not higher than you are, but not lower either. Humility doesn't mean that you put yourself down, but that you lift others up. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And this is what I really want to focus on tonight, is that true humility considers others. When you are walking in humility, your heart is going to be moved for other people. And that's, that's critical. It's not just a, a you know... I, w I want to stay humble before God. I don't want to take pride in my actions or, or take pride in you know, my abilities or my skills or, or put it out you know, for, for the whole world to see and, you know, so that I'm exalted. You know, that's a portion, that's, that's something that you know, we need to work on. But really getting in our minds that humility is, is how we treat other people. Uh, and putting them, right? Because in Philippians 2, it says what? Putting others, considering others better than yourselves. And that's a steep order sometimes. Because there's a lot of people in our lives that we don't want to consider better than ourselves. Uh, there's a lot of people in our lives that we would, we would even say, Wow, I think that I am better than them. And we would never say that out loud, but in, our, in the back of our minds, if we were honest, we would probably say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm way better. How can I consider that person better than me? Don't, don't look at me like that. You all thought it. <laughs> Humility is genuinely edifying others and affirming uh, the people around us. So that it's when we use our talents, it's not just, hey, everybody look at what I can do, but it's really, how can I use what I can do to serve other people? You know, when, when you have accomplishments, it's not, hey, everybody, look at what I've done, but it's just simply a result of, I just care for people. Like, and, and this just happened because of that love for people in my life. When we have, you know, an opportunity to give and to minister to someone, it, it's not, look at what I, what I gave. Look at, look at what I was able to do. But it, it was in a heart of, you know, uh, of humility. And I think that, you know, Matthew 6, 
Jesus made it very clear to the people, uh, to the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees there. He said, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Get that. That's huge. Don't do your works for other people. Let me tell you, I care deeply for each and every one of you. And I want each and every single one of you to have your reward in heaven. Don't do it for people now because you're going to lose that reward in heaven. It says... Don't do your deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give, give uh, when you do give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. How many have ever, maybe, just transparently, you've, you've done something, you've given something, and you've had that, that mentality in your heart that, you know, you kind of, you gave and you wanted people to know about it. When we're giving... It's very easy. It's very easy to be tempted to want people to recognize that and to say, wow, that's so good. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. 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 When we lose that battle to choose humility, like when we, when we try to put ourselves out there at, at those moments and those times, we, we truly are losing a greater reward, you know, and that's, I think that's what we need to be driven by. Even though there is that temptation to like, you know, step out and say, hey, you know what I did for you? Uh, to, to really take a step back and say, you know what? I'd much rather fly low and let God take care of, of everything later, you know, than jumping out and messing it up and, and getting my reward now, which is going to be way more temporal and probably way less lasting you know what i'm saying like for that moment you get the like the two seconds of like wow you're amazing thank you so and then it's gone you know and so keep that in mind you know it's it's you know in regards to even how we we respond to others and uh, and here's the thing too it's not just in a sense being moved by others well you know i don't want to draw the attention to myself but this is where it takes it a step further and you look at the idea of really having humility and how that elevates the interests of others and it, and it puts your interests below the interests of others. And that's where it really drives home. I mean, let's think about it. I mean, there are so many people in our lives. They come and go. They're, they're here. We see them at work. We see, we see them. Maybe they're family members. We see maybe for some students at school. Uh, and the idea of, wow, we've got a ton of people in our life. And are we deeply moved by the things that are going on in their life? You know, like, do, does, does what's going on in their life truly mean more to us than what's going on in our own? And I think if we're honest, that's, that's a really tough battle sometimes for us. You know, obviously our lives are right in front of us. We see what's going on in our lives every day. And what humility does is it, is it really desires to, 
to see people and to meet people where they're at and and to view their interests as higher than yours. And I guess a good example of this, have you ever had a conversation with a person and and you started talking with them and they asked you how like how everything was and they seemed like really sincere about it like they really wanted to know what was going on. So you actually like took that step and you said, oh, "Heck, I'll, I'll open up." Like and immediately it was like they didn't want they they didn't want to hear what you actually were saying and they actually didn't want to know how you were actually doing have has that ever happened to anybody like how do you feel when that happens like what yeah why why'd you even ask me why'd you even ask me at all uh some other like thoughts that come well, they in they only ask you because they actually want you to ask them about them so they yeah. they don't yeah. let you really let you finish because they're like well listen to what happened to me yeah. sure sure <laughs> i also respect people that do that sincerely because so many people don't you know it's true and I mean, but but here's what I'm getting at, is that we should all be doing that sincerely. I mean, because that's what a heart of humility does. A heart of humility doesn't just come up to somebody and say, hey, how's it going? How's everything going? I don't really mean what I'm saying right now, because I could care less about what's going on in your life, or I don't have any time for what's going on in your life. I don't, I don't have the time to hear about what you're going through. I mean, if we deeply were moved and had a heart of humility, then we would, because we consider those other people better than ourselves, we would have an interest in what was going on in their lives. And it wouldn't just be about our interests. It would be about the interests of others. And that being what really pushes us uh, and, and pushes us really to care and to do something about it more than just empathy because I think your empathy it, it, humility will take empathy and, and, and make it move to action right. so that you're not just man I feel what you're but it's like what can I do to serve right. like how can I help yeah. like this situation and that's the biggest thing that humility drives it even further than just I understand so verse 3 don't be selfish don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others uh, as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. And this is where Paul takes what he's talking about to an even deeper level. And he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So why don't we read that? Verses 6 to 11. Because Christ exemplified the perfect humility for us. So verse 6 reads, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. New American Standard says, and we'll just kind of, I really want to just go through this kind of statement by statement. Uh, it says, although he existed in the form of God. And that word existed, uh, the, Greek, uh, the Greek is a present tense participle, which basically indicates like a continuous uh, you know, so if it was exist, it would be he, as he existed, as he's existing, as he will exist. So it gives a, a, the picture of, a, of an eternal timeline there. The Greek word for form, so as he existed in the form of God, uh, you know, people look at the word form and they 
see a, a word that could represent something like or something similar to, but the actual Greek definition is the essential nature of something or someone. We're talking about essence here. Um, so it's speaking to his godness, like in, in, in essence, like the essence of God. And I, I thought it was really interesting that that word is used um, when referring to, to a Roman stamp back in, in the first century. You know, you'd see it on TV shows where they put the wax and then they, you know, they stamp the wax with like this, the signet ring. Uh, and so what that was is that signet ring, it's, it's an exact representation of who whoever's ring it was you know so we'll say the emperor right the emperor you know he he puts his ring signet ring in, inside of the wax and that was a to, to the person opening the a letter or whatever was sealed it was saying that the emperor himself was the one who put this like this wax on and and he stamped it with his just the exact representation we have rubber stamps right rubber stamps that we put ink on it and we, you know, we don't want to sign our name or put an address. We make a, a rubber ink stamp and done. The exact representation of what we want is put on to that paper. Paul says that's the relationship Jesus Christ bears to God the Father. Jesus is the exact representation of who and what God is. Jesus has never been a junior partner to God, but rather a full-fledged member of the Godhead, equal with the Almighty Father in every way, shape, and form from eternity past. So when you and I talk about Jesus Christ, we're not talking about someone less than God. We're talking about someone who is the express image of God. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. Although he existed in the form of God. He was eternally existing as the exact essence, the exact nature of who God is. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. The New American Center says he didn't rec uh, regard that equality with God a thing to be grasped. Something to, to, to hold on to. And we know that Jesus wasn't trying to achieve that equality with the Father. He was already there. He was equal with the Father. But Jesus' divine nature, uh, basically he let go of some of the privileges of, of deity, right? When he became a man. And that's where it says he gave up those divine privileges. He emptied himself. And this is not uh, Jesus emptying himself of his divinity or of his godness or uh, of his equality, you know, with God. He wasn't becoming less than God, but he humbled himself. He emptied himself. And it really, if you read the next verse, took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he humbled himself, it was when he, he became a man, choosing to become a man, and this is so powerful, he took the humble position of a slave. That's the word that Paul uses here. He could have used the word for human. He could have used the word for man. But he chose to use the word slave. And I just want to read uh, a quote from Keith Krell. Uh, and he's a professor uh, of biblical exposition at Moody Bible. Uh, college and it's just powerful he says in other words 
Jesus became a particular kind of man, a slave, the lowest position a person could become in the Roman world. He wasn't born in a mansion or a king's palace, but in a room among family and animals. The Almighty God appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to speak like any other child. The King of the universe, the Lord of glory, voluntarily became a pauper for our sake. He had to borrow a boat to preach from, a place to sleep, a donkey to ride on, an upper room to use for the Last Supper, and a tomb in which to be buried. He created the world, but the world did not know him. He was insulted, humiliated, and rejected by the very people that he made. So that no matter what we go through, no matter what we face in our own life, that we can know that Christ has been through it. That Christ has an understanding of what it likes, what it's like to be human. And we sometimes we overlook the, the humanness of God. And, and I really want to focus on that for a second and really hit on the issue of, of obedience. Because when you look at what Jesus did, how far He really stepped down, putting on flesh, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, do we really understand the weight of that statement? Do we really understand what that means for us as individuals? What that means for us as believers? Having humility requires obedience. Verse 8 says, When He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus stepped down from His place of privilege and position. Remember when we, uh, our, Christmas, our Christmas service, we talked about the green room, right? We talked about the star. You know, who ne you never see the performer, the artist. Yeah in the crowd with everybody else. You see them in the green room where they request exactly what kind of food they want, exactly what kind of temperature it's supposed to be with whatever crazy things. Like some of these artists have the most ridiculous requests, but it's there for them because they're the artist. Everybody has come to see them play. And understanding that Jesus was the greatest art, it's a pathetic comparison really, the, the, the green room to, to what Christ did for us. But you have the greatest creator of the universe. And He put on flesh. And He dwelt among us. Humility. Putting on flesh meant more than just becoming a man, but He humbled Himself to the point of, of, of a slave. What, what does it mean to be humble, to think about other people better than yourself. That while we were sinners completely opposed to God, He died for us. Like having that really stick in us. Having that be weighty in our own hearts. And because of His humility, it would lead Him to have to make a decision to be obedient to God because now he's before God he's in the garden of Gethsemane and and we some of us know the story maybe some of us don't but he's there and he's seeking God and he said 
if it's possible. He knew that the cross was before him. He knew that he was about to experience, as a man, excruciating pain. The worst death that you could possibly face as a human person. He was about to face it. And he had a moment between him and God where he said, God, if it's possible, is there another way? Because he was, he was human. He had flesh. He knew that it was going to hurt. But he said, not what I want, what you want. And I think about the excruciating pain that Jesus endured for me, for you. And while the very people who were nailing him to the cross that wanted to see him die, as he looked out over that group, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You want to talk about the picture of humility, the picture of putting other people before yourself. It's Christ Jesus. So what does that mean for us? We have to walk in obedience. That's part of humility. Because obedience is what continues that work in us. And so what I want to do, and really I want to close with this before anything else, and then I want to just talk for for a bit. I just want us to understand that God honors the person who overcomes the fear of sacrifice. Because it doesn't end with Christ on the cross. Right? If we continue on in verse 9 of Philippians 2. After he's, he's obedient and humbled himself in obedience uh, and died a criminal's death on a cross. In verse 9 it says, Therefore, because he walked in humility, because he displayed overflowing love for people who did not love him back, because he displayed what it meant to be humble, God elevated him to a place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names, that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let me tell you, when we walk in humility, and this is the thing, this is what will mess us up. Because the temptation, right? We talked about that temptation. The temptation to, to seek after ourselves being elevated, ourselves receiving the glory here and now, being praised for our own acts. That temptation completely steals away the reward that God has for you. And look at this. Jesus was obedient. He humbled himself in obedience. And what happened? God honored Christ exalted him. Scripture doesn't say that the humble will be exalted and those who try to exalt themselves will be humbled. It doesn't say that for nothing because that's the way that God works. That's the way that he's ingrained within his word that as we walk in humility, you don't have to worry about getting the credit. But know that God is going to exalt you for those things and it probably isn't going to be here and you know what we probably shouldn't want for it to be here because when he does reward us for that humility there's going to be an incredible reward a long-lasting reward so God honors a person who overcomes the fear of sacrifice a person who's not afraid to walk in unity like we talked about last week to consider others better than ourselves are to be less concerned with what people are doing and more concerned about what Jesus did to unite us. God honors a person who is not afraid to be humble. 
Not afraid to not get the credit. Not afraid to be more concerned about others than ourselves. Not afraid to sacrifice for people even when nobody says or does anything for us in return. That's what, that's what God's looking for in us. He's looking to honor a person who's not afraid to be obedient. To obey God's word even in the difficult areas. To financially trust God. To, to trust God and His standards of, of sexual purity. Right? That's, that's a huge thing that we kind of tend to overlook. To trust God in the area of forgiveness. To let go of things that might have happened to us. Uh, and even in this area of humility. And so what I'd like to do um, is really just pause and really think about how this applies to us. I mean, we think about what Jesus did. The sacrifice of Jesus and how much He humbled Himself for us. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.